0: I just saw somebody, somebody just wrote on Facebook, if a kid ever asks you, and it, this was not a magician, I can't remember who wrote it, they said if a kid asks you if you want to see a magic trick, the answer is always yes, which I agree with, 100%. Welcome
1: to Creative Ups, a podcast for creative people. Hey everybody, Christopher Talon, host of Creative Ops Podcast for Creative People. I wrote a book called Switchers. I hope you would look at buying it. It's in the show notes. But on to more bigger... More bigger... <laughs> onto the issue of the day here. I interviewed Trino. Trino the Magician from Grand Rapids. Uh, well, not originally from Grand Rapids. Originally from Paw Paw, Michigan. We get into all that. Trino is the best magician I've ever seen live. And he talks about his early start in uh, magic all the way up to where he is now. Uh, Guy with just laser focus, knows where he wants to be in life and uh, is not listening to anybody else's version of how he should live. He's just going after his creative dreams and making them come true. And uh, if you guys get a chance, He has a show almost every month at the Wealthy Street Theater in Grand Rapids called Amaze and Amuse. There will be a link to that um, at trinomagic.com in the show notes. Uh, We talk about his uh, uh, foundation that he started for his brother called Luke's Light. Uh, You'll see the information for that also in the show notes. And uh, if you want to check out what Trino's up to, like I said, trinomagic.com or at Trino Magic on social media. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Go watch this guy on uh, CW's Masters of Illusion and uh, get ready for what you're about to hear now.
0: I think I realized in high school that this is what I wanted to do. And I told myself that this was what I was going to do. This was going to be my job. And there might be some other stuff that happened between then. Uh, I went to college for event management at Central, um, Central Michigan.
1: But that was helpful. So I,
0: yeah. I got my degree in event planning, which was super helpful. I originally went, we talked about TV. I originally went to school for broadcasting. I wanted to do TV. Um, and host a show. I would joke and say, I want to host the tonight show. And then Jimmy Fallon got it, and that's why I switched my major. (laughs) So uh, but I got my degree in events and this this is it. This is what I've what I've been doing.
1: So pretty much right out of the gate, as soon as you didn't have constraints like high school and college and other people telling you this is where you need to be and when you need to be there, you've been doing your own thing. Even in the pandemic, you were doing like virtual shows too, right?
0: I did, yeah. During the pandemic, when when it was two weeks, for people listening, he
1: just kind of winced a little bit. I'm I'm guessing you didn't love doing those compared Uh, to the real thing. I I hated it. I hated
0: doing it. Um, at the time we were in, maybe it would have been different if if I had a house like I do now and I had the ability to set up like a studio and leave it. Mm -hmm. Um, but we were in. An apartment during it. So it, when I did a show, um, like this, this picture used to hang behind in our living room. So when I would do a show, we'd have to move the couch. I'd have to pull that down. I'd have to set up lights. I'd set up the microphone. I'd set up tables. I do all of it. And then I'm, I felt like I was doing magic at people rather yeah. than for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not getting people clapping. You get it like a muted thing or people commenting, Collapse or something. It's just not the same. And then you finish the show and you're like, well, I'm already home. So I guess I need to just put the room back together. <laughs> you know, I, I hate it. I hated <laughs> doing it. But, um, you know, at the beginning of COVID when it was two weeks to start, uh, I said two weeks to slow the spread. I was like, okay, uh, I need to do something. If people are sitting at home and they're bored, like this would be stupid not to. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to do two of these shows. Um, both going to be completely different. I'm going to have a special guest do it too. Just like the monthly show, um, that is going to come on and it's going to be magic. I'm going to do like a little Q and a, we'll do like some giveaways or something. Like, let's just make it like a fun family thing for people to do while they're sitting at home and they're bored. Yeah. So the original plan was to do two. And then, uh, you know, obviously things kept getting extended and we ended up doing 10, but it's good. Now live stuff's back. Oh, people man. are happy, and it definitely feels like, like a golden age of live entertainment again.
1: And so. you are putting your event planning stuff, like you said that you produce shows. You produce shows that you don't do too, or do you try to produce your own show, but then like pull people into it, or both?
0: Yeah. So I I'm trying to produce more stuff. That's not just me. Like I had Dan Sperry a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. um, and I produced his show while he was here in grand Rapids. Uh, I do produce a monthly show at wealthy theater called Amaze and amuse, which is always myself with a guest act held in the coding micro cinema. So it's 62 seats. Every seat's a great seat. Yeah. And by being in, in a smaller environment like that, there's so many things that I can do that I couldn't do in a, a bigger theater. Because everybody can see so well. Mm. So it's always myself with a guest Mm. deck, sometimes a comedian, sometimes a magician. Uh, My buddy Will Juggle, who's a juggler here in Grand Rapids, really, really funny. He's done it several times. Um, Ventriloquist, hypnotist, like some sort of variety entertainment is always added in with me as well. So that's every month at Wealthy, though.
1: I don't know. I don't know if I could hang out with a hypnotist. I would always be worried that they're going to be like you're going to pay the bill. (laughs) It's funny.
0: Yeah. I had a hypnotist for the first time in January, Um, but we've, we've sold out the last five of these amazing amuse shows. So, and I have, uh, I mean, it'll be a different date by the time this comes out, but I have the next one tomorrow. And I think we're really close to six in a row.
1: So that's awesome. And I'll have any contact information for you and for that um, in the show notes too, for anybody listening, you don't have to remember it just look at the show notes it'll be there awesome
0: yeah and then i uh i produce a convention for magicians that we just did for the second year this year in april uh called wonder bash so i'm, I'm building a convention here where magicians are coming from this year all over the country because we had some from canada uh and a woman that flew in from paris to perform too uh, that i had booked in one of the shows so we we've officially went global with Wonderbash, but uh, had like fifty magicians from all over the place just come to Grand Rapids for a weekend. And I really want to make this. I want to. I want to build magic and variety entertainment in Grand Rapids.
1: Yeah, I. That's just blowing my mind right now that you're, <laughs> you you planned a convention, although you you had the training and the education to do it. Sure. I'm I'm putting together a two hour event on a Thursday evening here in town. And I'm losing my mind just doing that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a lot. It is. It's. I'm. I would be lying if I said it wasn't stressful. But
1: yeah,
0: it's stressful. Uh, and then I also uh, other other project. I guess um, my brother passed away two years ago. Well, um, sorry to hear that. Thank you. As the uh, the results of a self inflicted uh, injury.
1: Oh.
0: Um, he knew he made a mistake. He tried to call nine one one and get help. He was picked up by an ambulance he ended up passing away in the hospital surrounded by my family um and i mean to me like the important part of that story too is that he knew he, he he made a mistake and he tried to get help um and uh he ended up passing away at 18 years old a month after he graduated high school and uh he was a very talented bass guitarist so my family we started a nonprofit called Luke's Light Youth Music and Arts Foundation. We're based in Van Buren County uh, in Pawpaw, and we provide free music and art lessons for kids 12 to 20 years old. So if a kid wants to learn to play guitar and they don't have a guitar, we will give them a guitar so they can learn. And these classes are completely free for them. We pay our instructors uh, and the goal is hopefully within the next year, we'll be breaking ground on a teen center where kids can go every day. Uh, Monday through Friday, after school for lessons, do their homework, hang out with friends in a safe place, have some snacks, and uh, just just having having a space like that for uh, for teenagers in the community.
1: Hmm. Wow! So, and that's, I'm I'm currently I'm sorry, the president. Sorry for of for that tragedy, side. man, but that's that's a that's a great yeah thing that's come out of that.
0: Yeah, we say we're uh, making beauty from broken. Yeah. And uh I'm the current president of Luke's Light. So, um but I I'm I'm committed to seeing this teen center through and giving giving a space for kids and hopefully, you know, 10 years down the road we'll we'll have more of them around the state. Um and mm-hmm. maybe one up here in Grand Rapids as well. But I think that's that's another thing too that people aren't really talking about uh as much. It's it's definitely come to light more, but the mental health crisis among um teens and kids and what they've went through with um COVID and restrictions and everything what they what they couldn't couldn't do in school. Like, I don't know about you but when I was in high school like I went to class cuz I wanted to do theater. I wanted to be in the plays and the musicals and hang out with friends, you know? Yeah. Um and same thing whether it was football or baseball or everybody had that that thing that um really really helped them through school. It was the the, the fun part. I mean,
1: yeah. that I was went the to school part. purely to socialize. Yeah, and they <laughs> didn't, they
0: didn't have that. They didn't have you know they didn't have prom, they didn't have so many rites of passage like into their life that, um, I, I feel horrible for this generation coming up, and it's going to impact all of us too. Because these, yeah. I mean, they're going to be doctors and lawyers and um, business owners and performers and everything in our communities, and um, we, we need to give back to this group of people for sure,
1: yeah, yeah. That it really has sent these kids for a loop. Like my youngest kids, I've got four, um, my oldest basically lost her senior year because she was supposed to graduate in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, Then uh, also didn't get to play sports. She was a really good soccer player. They just lost their whole senior season too. And then my other kid who's in high school now also really kind of took the whole just no socializing, everything else very hard. Surprisingly though, I guess unsurprisingly, the younger kids, they seem to kind of bounce with it, but that was just what life was to them. They didn't know any better you know sure. yeah so yeah, yeah that's crazy that,
0: yeah my, my brother graduated in 2021 so his his junior and senior year it was two years um nothing like his his final band concert that they had he played in the jazz band his teacher came on stage and said something like the kids hadn't been on stage in 560 days or something something crazy yeah and like i mean i i i said like during COVID, i i went the longest without doing a live show longer than i went when i was 13 for sure yeah like i was i was more booked at 13 years old than i was through COVID. <laughs> uh but yeah i'm trying to think if i have any other projects or anything to tell you about um i think so yeah trying to trying to produce more stuff and more shows and um Got some exciting announcements and stuff coming up for the fall in the next couple months here. Awesome. But lots happening. Yeah. Lots happening. And it does feel like it does feel like a golden age of entertainment again.
1: Yeah. Well, so much. The one thing that I was excited about as you know, somebody who just is as host of this podcast is excited about creative people. Um I I knew that when things did start getting back to normal again there was just going to be so much art and music and stuff as a result of people just being bottled up and so far it hasn't disappointed me just even locally i go to a lot of art markets to sell my books and um every every week i see a new painter that blows my mind around here or a new <laughs> a new comedian or new magician um yeah it's a it's a city that's moving in the right direction i think as far as creatives go, there's still not enough people getting paid. A lot of people getting paid in exposure, stuff like that, that needs to stop. Can't but pay rent with exposure.
0: You really stop can't. Stop paying eat.
1: with exposure, people. You can't eat exposure. Right. Um, but yeah, but there's also people like you, like Mike, who are producing shows, paying people adequately. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it works both ways because it's paying people that are doing cool things and it's giving people that want to see cool things, things to see. Thank I'm a writer and a friend of mine. His name is Brandon Scott. He's in North Carolina. He wrote a series of books, but one of them is called Slight, and it features a magician, sleight of hand magician, who has a crippling accident, loses his hand, and then becomes a recipient of real, you know, voodoo style magic. Powers. Yeah. Uh, but it traces that character's first interest in magic and was going to a county fair when he was a kid seeing this magician and just being in awe of this guy and being like, that's what I want to do. So I'm wondering for you, because it's not something, uh, I mean, unless it runs in the family, that's not a usual career choice. And it's probably hard to find somebody that can navigate you through that. So what was your first taste of, Ooh, yeah, that that's what I want to do.
0: So the first time I ever saw magic that I remember, uh, so my dad had went to Vegas or like some sort of business trip when I was probably six or seven years old.
1: Non-magic related or entertainment related?
0: No, my family's not in entertainment at all. Um my my dad did like a little broadcasting stint in college and did like some new stuff. My mom did radio for a little bit
1: hmm.
0: um in her 20s, but nobody in my family is in entertainment like this so he went he went to vegas for some sort of conference probably like a packaging conference um and he came back and he had like learned a trick that he got at a magic shop out in vegas Hmm. so but he didn't tell me that he told me that when he was out on this trip he went out into the desert and he met with these like Native American shaman like yeah. he had like a whole backstory and I think that's what like sold it it wasn't like yeah I went to a magic shop and I bought a trick to show you yeah like he he created like a magical moment for me at that point to the point that I didn't know it was a trick because he never said this is a trick to yeah. me my dad like went out and somehow got powers um and it was it was a floating card the trick's called like the the ufo card which you can get in magic shops but he would like hold a card in his hand or on the table and it would like move and he played it up yeah like he he made a performance out of it as somebody who was not a performer and that stuck with me as a kid because it wasn't it wasn't even pitched to me as like oh i'm, I'm gonna do a magic trick it was right. it felt so real um that's the first time that i remember and i remember like in elementary school there was a magician that came to my school that i the
1: only thing i remember is that he like produced a rabbit in the show like he had a live bunny but yeah i don't remember i remember the guy who had the the never-ending scarf that just kept coming and coming and coming guy
0: (laughs) with underwear tied at the end or something (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) finally at the end (laughs) Yeah, it was something like that. But that that was kind of like the first time I saw magic. But I grew up in Pawpaw, Michigan, which uh, 15, 20 minutes from Kalamazoo. Yeah. And there was a small town nearby. It's kind of between like Three Rivers and Sturgis called Colon, C-O-L-O-N. Most huh. unfortunate name for a town. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is the magic capital of the world. Really? So, yeah, at one point... I mean, there was like four magic shops there. Currently, there's there's two that are in Colon. But I grew up going to this convention, Abbott's Magic Get-Together, which was put on every August. And this was magicians from all over the world uh, that would come into this town that's been going on now for almost 80 years. Wow. So a bunch of magicians come take over this town with one stoplight.
1: For, this is the first I've a, ever heard of this. When, oh, would this you tell like, people about that? Are most people like, really? Or am I well, just out of the know?
0: No, most people I feel like don't really know. like if you if you're going to colon, like you're trying to get there. You're not yeah. like taking a back road and you're like, oh, I just stumbled upon this town like you're trying to get there, which I think may be kind of the point with like a magician town a little bit yeah, kind of like out. you got you gotta want to go there to go there. So but I grew up going to this convention and meeting top performers who had performed in Vegas and cruise ships and America's mm. Got talent and everything since I was twelve years old. Yeah. So that's really where I learned so much. And I had so many people in that community in Abbott's Magic and Sterlini Magic and Fab Magic and these shops that just poured in and have watched me grow up.
1: Yeah. And that's got to do something to you when you're that young, too, to just be like, oh, these are real people. That guy just blew his nose. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And these were people like... I mean, I was in seventh grade when I started. So middle school, high school going to this convention, I'm seeing these people that are role models and people that I'm seeing on America's Got Talent and on all these TV shows and these people that are like making it, like they're big in like the magic world, but the, the public knows a lot of them too. And now having done this for 15 years, some of those same people that I was looking up to when I was 12, 13, 16 years old are now friends of mine and yeah. like I've done shows with them and they stay at my house when they come to town. And it's just, it's it's crazy just to see how it's evolved over 15 years.
1: Yeah. And there's such a r- crazy range of different styles within, you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's build up to that. Um, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the first time that you actually performed then would have probably been, I'm guessing around that same time, 12, sometime into your early teens. Yeah. So I like saw besides that, just in your living room, like, hey,
0: people sure. that I don't know.
1: Come look at me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when I saw that stuff from my dad as a kid, I think I think a lot of kids go through like a phase like seven, eight, nine years old, uh, where they get a magic kit. It's the idea of like doing something that other people can't. Yeah. I think at that time. So I I went through that and I there's there's videos that my parents have like me doing magic at my sister's like birthday party in like the yeah. sandbox where I'm like seven or eight, you know. But then I didn't do magic and then i lived in Paw, so i wasn't too far from colin found out about this town and really got like into it when i was 12. so mm-hmm. i did my first paid show when i was 13.
1: Hmm.
0: so i was 13 years old and did a labor day party
1: and, um, and when you're a 13 year old i'm guessing that <clears throat> it's kind of like a a band when they first start playing they're doing a lot of covers. Doing covers. <laughs> and then maybe sprinkling in a little bit of their own stuff here and there. So nah, was... I don't
0: even think I was like at the point of doing my own stuff then. It was just emulating the people I looked up to and um doing doing tricks like a a, a routine that you would purchase or something. Okay. Um and at that time like 12, 13 or 13, 14, 15, 16 Through high school was like a lot of kids' birthday parties, maybe some small like local companies, community nights, uh, that kind of stuff. And then once I got into college, it started becoming more companies and schools. And let's see, like I was was doing a few like theaters and also like other colleges too at that time.
1: That's awesome. Um, Hold on. But before you keep going from there, I want to know. Uh, Sorry, gonna, I will I'm like gonna, I talk yeah, no, no. so
0: much too. Like oh me,
1: too, me too. I mean, I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the heart of, height of narcissism. People want to hear me talk every week. Um, <laughs> uh, but no. So when you start performing and you kind of get a couple of shows under your belt, at this time are you? Well, I guess I guess you're doing both. But do you feel like you're crafting uh, more of a personality? on stage at that time or are you really just kind of like nailing down the basics and like it'll take you a while to figure out who you really are up there
0: i think it does take a long time to figure out who you really are and being willing you know if if somebody comes and sees my show and they're like nah i don't like that guy they probably don't like me, period, which is okay. And like, you have to get to a point where you're comfortable with that because not everybody's going to, but the people yeah. that do will tell their friends and hopefully they have similar styles and they'll like you too. But I would say it takes it takes a long time to be comfortable. Like, I, I feel like just in the last few years, like you're year 12, 13 in magic maybe, mm-hmm. where I finally was like, you know what? I can kind of just start doing being me. I can... I could make anything work as myself, as this heightened version of myself, as this character a little bit on stage.
1: Sometimes you look at like a professional wrestler and you'll see an evolution of their persona. Where, Where would you say you were when you started? Like what would you summarize your performance as early then middle and then towards where you are now.
0: Yeah. I mean, early, like early on the people that I would say I was influenced by, and you have to figure it out too, because the things I was doing even at 13 years old and the the personality that I was giving is different than it is now. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, I'm a teenager. So well, hopefully you kind if you're still acting in the
1: same that. way you did when you were 13, then yeah, it'd be, it'd be
0: a little different. Yeah. So I think I mean, evolution wise, like starting out, I was, I was really inspired by like Penn and Teller and amazing Mm. Jonathan. And I still am by these same, same performers, but I think like at 13 years old, I was, I was trying to be them, you know, like you're, you're not comfortable writing your own stuff. You're not comfortable like creating your own magic really at that point, or you don't even really know that you can.
1: Like nobody's
0: given you like the permission to do it almost. Right. So I would say like starting out is like 12 to 15, 16 years old. It's really like going to a magic shop and kind of putting together like a show or an act with stuff, but, but not really putting too much of your own personality on it. That just, it all comes from just doing hundreds and hundreds of shows. Yeah. Like. If you want to figure it out and you want to expedite that process of making things original and making it your own, you got to work. You got to just just perform for everybody in every event and every style and putting yourself in all of these different situations uh, to, to really figure out who you are. So I think you can expedite it that way. But starting out, I was really just emulating these other people, not really putting a lot of my own personality. I think around like 16-ish which I think most teenagers do you kind of start figuring out your own style which is mm. still very different of what my style is now but you start putting your own spin on things putting your own bits in after doing all of these shows you know sometimes something happens that you're not expecting but it gets a great reaction so you're like okay now I need to make mm. that happen every single time yeah so and then getting out of college and becoming an adult being over 21 uh I think i went through a phase there where it was really just testing a lot and seeing like okay who like who am i trying to be on stage uh and now i really like if there's a routine or an idea or something i know i can make it work and make it me and put my spin on it just by doing it where at like 13 years old you're not even thinking that it's more just like okay we're, well, I'm doing a show, holy cow, first yeah. off. So <laughs> we're doing a show, people are going to watch it. Uh, I, I guess let's let's just do, do what you're comfortable with. You're not really trying, like, I wasn't at least. I wasn't trying a ton of new material all the time um, for a little bit there. I was really just trying to like focus on what I had. Um, but it, I mean, yeah, it has evolved a lot over time. Um, yeah. But I think that the biggest thing is, to be comfortable with yourself and figure out who you are and figure out who you want to be performing and just as a person off stage as well, uh, and what persona, what heightened parts of of me I want to bring out. Yeah, you just have to you have to do shows. You just that's, have to put it out in front of people.
1: That's really interesting the way you said that, too, because I uh, just kind of across the board, don't really consider myself, I, I consider myself bad at marketing and promoting. <laughs> um, And one thing that I had heard recently was like a Dolly Parton quote, I think was the the trick to marketing yourself is figuring out who you are, and then doing that on purpose. And like, that sounds so simple. But at the same time, yeah, you, you have to be comfortable with yourself. And <laughs> I don't know, it's weird to have that much self awareness and that much comfort, I think, for me,
0: you know, And it is like, you put a lot of pressure on yourself too, I think with that, uh, like being comfortable with yourself on stage and who you are. I think there's a lot of pressure that you're like, well, like what, what do they want to see? What does the audience want from me? And it's like, I'm now, I'm now at a point 15 years in that I, I am like, well, they're coming here to see me. So I'm just going to be me. And people want the authenticity. They want it to be real. And that's why, like, I do a monthly show at Wealthy Theater, which I'm sure we'll talk about more. But uh, in doing that, like, we're in the micro cinema, which is 60 seats. So it's not a huge venue, it's very casual. It would be silly for me to come out and never acknowledge, never talk to the people right in front of me that are like a few feet away, Um, because you can in that room. It's something different. So breaking that fourth wall and just, Going out and just talking to all of these people, um, acknowledging things that happen. If somebody coughs really loudly, not just like speeding through it, whatever you're saying, like not having it too scripted. Um, mm-hmm. And my show is scripted. Yeah, My show is scripted. A lot of people don't think it is. It's scripted, but I have points where certain things could happen and I have five to 10 responses like ready to go. So it yeah. feels very off the cuff still, but so much of it is still scripted, even if it doesn't feel that way.
1: Yeah. Well, in that regard, it's it's not that much different from stand-up comedy. You have a routine. You know what you're going to do. You also have to bounce and vibe with the people in the audience, though, too. Um, and this goes back earlier in the point that you were making, too, about um, trying to do things for people. I see a lot of people, especially on social media, in various forms of entertainment, whether they're writers or painters or whatever, and they'll say, what do you guys want me to do? And I always go, no, don't ask them. They don't know. Yeah, <laughs> they'll they'll know it when they see it. You give it to them. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's again, it's a hard place to get to. You have to be uh, very comfortable with yourself to do that. Um,
0: and and live performers usually aren't. That's usually, I think, part of it's it's part of getting into it a little yeah. bit. Medians, magicians, whatever. I think there's some underlying. Need like you want you want that attention. you want people to like you, yeah, obviously, even if your character is like this dark, sinister, critical character or something, you still want to be likable. You still oh. want people to be fans of yours,
1: yeah. well, how do you think guys like um uh, what's his name dan Sperry? yeah how how do you think a guy like that who definitely doesn't put a come give me a hug kind of a look on him uh, you think that he still has that like oh no no no! i still want people to like me
0: yeah dan is literally the nicest person
1: he's super nice he's one of those people
0: that i'm sure some parents are like well i don't know if our kids should meet him after the show like yeah he seems crazy and 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 so dark and no dan is dan is the nicest person literally i just had dan here this month did you know that
1: yeah. Yeah. I saw so yeah, him, uh, I just had
0: Dan at wealthy. So Dan is one of those people that like, I grew up watching these videos of and I'm like, that's the guy, like that guy's killing yeah. it. Like he's doing all these colleges and he's doing state fairs and he's on America's got talent and he's on all these big shows and he was on cake boss and did all these TV shows in like in high school and stuff. I'm like, wow, this is, this is crazy. He just stayed at my house this month. <laughs> like I know Dan really, really well.
1: Yeah. Well guys like that, you both are doing the same thing in terms of, like you said, it's scripted and you're creating an experience. You don't walk out and go, okay, guys, um, my name is Trino and I'm going to do some magic now. Okay, get ready. Uh, you walk out there and it's from the minute it's go, I'm this person, this is the thing, it's happening now.
0: But um, you want it to feel feel like it's just flowing and yeah. that it is off the cuff, but it takes a lot of... <laughs> What is That's that, why people are story? surprised
1: that you are scripted, or they think that Dan just is a freak who sleeps in a coffin and actually drinks blood. You know. Yeah. What I mean?
0: It takes it takes a lot of effort to look like it's very casual.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. It takes a lot of time and a lot of just doing it to feel very very casual and not da, 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 like just very flowy and and having fun and we're. We're all hanging out kind of thing. It takes a long time to get to that where it does feel like that and doesn't feel like it's just a scripted play-by-play.
1: Well, let me ask you this then. If you're watching a show where there's several magicians, like one of the TV shows that you've been on, when the other magicians are watching, what are the things that you guys are looking for? Cause I'm sure you guys all can notice like, oh, he messed up that part right there. And like technical wise, but what is the first thing that strikes you when you watch a magician? Is it the way that they act or is it their technical ability? Uh, at this point,
0: I would say it's it's personality. It's people's personality. It's who they are, how they're dressed, how they're presenting themselves. Uh, how they, you know, you could take 10 magicians that are all very different styles, yeah. very different looks, different ages, different experience levels, give them all the same trick or the same kind of idea, like cups and balls, the world's oldest magic trick, three cups, three balls, the balls penetrate the cups, they bounce all over all this stuff. Yeah. You could give that to every single one of those people and say, do this, do this for you, do this as you, and it would all be different. Mm-hmm. So I think that the people's willingness to be vulnerable and be who they are, um, not feeling like it's it's fake what they're like putting on, they're owning it. Even if they are playing a character that's not them, they're yeah. owning it. So I think I see the personality first because I think I think that is just as important as whatever magic you're doing.
1: Yeah, the ability to make it look like a casual thing this is just this guy up there being himself kind of a thing yeah being
0: himself or if you are a character like like uh piff the magic dragon yeah like he's a character he's he's legit a character like in a costume and everything too yeah but like he's not he's he's not a dragon like that's not what he is every day (laughs) right so he's he's playing a character what i understand like On stage, like the jokes and stuff, and in his pattern, that's kind of who he is off stage a little bit to a degree, too, but it's very much heightened there. So I think that's really what I look for first. And what I see is like these people and who they are, especially because now I know so many of them, too. So I know who they are off stage. I know who they are when they flip the switch and go on, too. Mm -hmm. So I think I see that first, but obviously, like having high quality, like hard hitting magic is great, too. And there is, There's certain magicians I would say that are technically very, very skilled. And like the sleight of hand, the stuff that they do, it's not anything I do. It's it's not my plan to do in a million years. Like they're technically very, very good, but they may have no personality. So they're really just they're they're letting the magic do its thing. The magic is what's what's taking them through. What I, I do, like my show is comprised of. I I could go build my show at a dollar store with, you know, a chunk of change and hours to assemble things. It would take like time to do it. But my show, like the things that I use are very normal, basic things. Besides like I do a straight jacket escape often, but most things are like things people have seen, things that you could buy at a store uh, where some people are doing like a big illusion or something where it's like a magic box or something like that. And that's just not, not my style.
1: Yeah, yeah. I saw your um, rose petal turned into an egg in a in a wine glass stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I want to get into a little bit of your um creative process, but before I do that, I have to ask you a couple of questions that are kind of throwaway, jokey questions, but at the same time, they're kind of serious. Okay. <laughs> All right. You ever watch the show Scrubs? No. Okay. There's. You don't need to know anything about the show. There's just at one point, the main character sits down at a bar and he's next to David Copperfield. And okay. David Copperfield does a quick little trick for him. And he's like, whoa. And David Copperfield just goes like, oh, huh, magic. Uh, like, yeah, get over it, dude. Do you ever like somebody do a trick and they're just like, wow. And you're not in the mood. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah,
0: I mean, sometimes I try. I try not to, especially like. I just saw somebody, somebody just wrote on Facebook yesterday. I saw it like if a a kid ever asks you, and this was not a magician. I can't remember who wrote it. They said, if a kid asks you if you want to see a magic trick, the answer is always yes, which I agree with a hundred percent. Like I, I always give the time of day to people. I I do want to see it too. And I've seen some kids show some tricks that I'm like, that's unbelievable. Like that's better than some working pros for sure. And like you're seven years old. It's crazy. Um, But I, I mean, yeah, there's times, there's times I say I get like magicked out. Yeah. Like if I go to a convention and it's just consistent magic lectures, hanging out, watching shows for four or five days, by the end of that, I usually want like a day or two where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to see a video. I don't want to like touch a deck of cards. I don't want to work on the show right now. Like I just, I need a minute to just kind of absorb everything that just happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're on the plane. So what do you do? You're like, uh, I sell insurance. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It is always, it is always a, a question that you you never really know if you want to answer it or not. And some people's reactions to when you tell them you're a magician, some are like, oh, and some are like very curious. Some are, uh, I mean, occasionally you get somebody who's like revolted and thinks that you're like an evil person. Um, yeah.
1: Well, so, you know, that's, that's a whole thing I wasn't even thinking of, but we do live in West Michigan, which. I don't know, maybe twenty percent of my audience, thirty percent of my audience is Michigan, and the rest is everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So people that don't know, West Michigan is a very conservative, um, very Protestant <laughs> uh driven town. So yes. yeah, I I'm wondering how often you do come across people who are like, No, 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 that's the devil's work. Because we've had neighbors in places we've lived around here who um they're like, Oh, your kids are reading Harry Potter. Well, your kids can't play with our kids then. Harry yeah. Potter? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's happened a handful of times. It's always hard. It's it's very hard for me as somebody too uh I'm a Christian and I'm more than happy to tell people that as well. Um because that's usually the people who are who are upset at something like this. But it's hard for me because most most of the people who are upset or are freaking out about it would identify themselves as a Christian as well. Mm. And you know, I, I've I've used lines like you know, if if I was really doing the devil's work, would I be doing a card trick? Bruh.
1: Yeah, like no,
0: it's all. I mean, it's all. It's well, that, all
1: that's fair. how they get you. That's how they get you. Is they <laughs> open that portal and like okay. And
0: there has been. I've had churches that they don't want to call me a magician because um, of the connotation of it. And it's. I'm always willing to like talk with the pastor, or whoever, and just be like, listen, I'll I'll tell you. Uh, my beliefs, like, this is it. Like I'm a Christian. This is what I believe too. Um, yeah. But this is not, I don't have any powers. Like this is all, this is all sleight of hand and jokes. Like that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes in situations like that, I, there's, there's a, a certain trick or something that I'll reveal and show to people and say, look, this looks like a miracle, right? This is all it is. And just kind of showing them. And I think that kind of helps a little bit to um, just to be like, it, it is just, it's, it's, not real. Like I do not have powers. Um, and I never, I never claim to either. I never say that on stage. I'm never like yeah. what you're about to see is a hundred percent real. And, I am the, like,
1: the wise and powerful and do not yeah. cross me or I will put like, this that's deck of so cards in your skull. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but <laughs> I, I do think there, there has been a few times and I did like the Holland street performer series for five years all through college. And I had cards dropped in telling me I was going to hell. And again, it's very hard for me just cause I'm like, I mean, why, why are you doing that? Like, it's not. Yeah. And then I'm also like, do they think I'm really that good? Am
1: I that good? Well, that's, that's the way to take it, I think. Yeah.
0: If, if that's, if the only out of like, what I'm doing is, oh, he's got to have powers. Maybe I'm doing really, really well. (laughs)
1: Still get a legitimate kick out of people when they watch you do something, and then their like brain melts or explodes right in yes. front of you. Yes, absolutely. I, I I would watch David Blaine. He was one of the first um, magicians that I really got into. And I was like, whoa, this dude is cool. And I actually saw him when he was buried underwater in New York City for a oh, week. Oh, you did? You yeah. were there? You I got just to happened to be cool. there when I, And yeah, we went to go see him. Um, but uh, I always was really intrigued by like, I would watch his videos, but then after I watched him the first couple of times, I started watching his reactions to people reacting and he would always like very intently, like look right in their eyes and just soak in like all of their shock. Yeah.
0: Yeah. People's reactions is my favorite part of doing this yeah. is seeing what other people do and making them part of the show, bringing people up and having them be like participating in this stuff. Like yeah. that's more fun. It's more fun to put them as like the star of the show.
1: Yeah. Way more fun. Yeah.
0: Watch their react. I already know what's going to happen. I've seen it. I've done it. <laughs> I want to see what they're going to do. And excuse me, Uh you mentioned David Blaine. David Blaine was the first one on TV, the first TV magician to turn the cameras away from himself and putting it on the spectator and getting yeah. their reaction on stuff. Yeah first person to do it. And I think that really changed, changed magic at that point as well. Cause I, the magicians that I grew up like watching too, I told you like Penn and Teller and amazing Jonathan, I really, really liked to see, but they weren't really on TV when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, now Penn and Teller have their show fool us. Uh, and amazing Jonathan has unfortunately passed away since then. Yeah.
1: But you could see uh, him on comedy I, central and stuff like that from time yeah, to time. But
0: and I, I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to be watching it <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like 13, 14, but that's why it was probably great. Yeah. Um yeah as well uh but chris angel and david blaine are mm-hmm. you know, like those are the tv specials that i watched like yeah. watching mind freak i had chris angel's like autobiography and david blaine specials that he did um you know i still watched like old copperfield specials and stuff at that time too but he there wasn't like specials when i was getting into magic in like 2007
1: yeah. ish yeah, um, I remember David Copperfield. Every now and then, he would have something on HBO, and they're like, "He's gonna make a cruise ship disappear, or something like that." Yeah,
0: yeah, some huge, some huge TV special, and he had special celebrity guests and
1: all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and he was that was that was more in the like uh the Will Arnett from uh, Arrested Development. Yeah, Isle of Magic
0: River. But he was like, oh
1: yeah. look, at oh yeah, yeah,
0: big hand mo- movements and fans and really dramatic music.
1: Dun, 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 dun. swords
0: big boxes yeah <laughs> i don't want to drive a trailer around either to be honest
1: yeah right that guy's got oh. a semi-truck full of stuff <laughs> so awesome. all right I'm trying to think what i want to talk to you next about i guess as much as we can can we talk a little bit about your creative process yeah of course I'm just dying to know. Like you said, for a, for a while, you'll be playing the hits. When and how do you start putting your own? uh What do you call them? You call them tricks? You call them illusions? Yeah, Want to be respectful? Routine, too.
0: I don't. Whatever. Tricks, illusions, routines. Okay. I I always say routines because that's just how I like try to structure my show. And I'll be like, oh well, this routine has this, but then there's a callback later here after this routine. So that's always what I say. But okay, these routines like. Uh, putting them together, I think, I mean, like I said, like when you start doing that and you, or you start combining ideas and putting them together and making it your own, you have to just be comfortable with yourself and you have to be comfortable to like, just tough it out and keep doing it over and over and over and changing just one thing every time. I always yeah. would do that when I was in like a building phase, just changing one thing, one line, um, to see if it worked or something that would happen, like I said in a show before that you don't anticipate. And then you're like, how could I, can I make that happen every time? Like that's a good, a good moment. Um, so just like one little tweak, tweak by tweak, to put it together. But as far as like creative process with things too, um, I'm taking a lot of times a, a really old trick in trying to update it and make it more modern, whether that's changing the scripting Changing the props that you're using or changing like the technique of how you're accomplishing the effect. Yeah. So it's changing those things, but also like your personality is going to change it, how you're presenting yourself on stage. But being able to change, you know, a trick maybe from 50 years ago that would use a tape recorder. How can you change that? You know, little, little things that you can take an item and use a different item or your personality is what's going to just make it shine. But I try to take old ideas now and just make them new. That's really, that's the biggest part of my creative process. And there's more to that, but sorry. So
1: like (laughs) within, within a different tricks themselves, I'm sure that you can break them down into categories, like taking something and putting it through something or, you know, like, so when you're like, I want to do something, do you think of what it is you want to do first or do you kind of look at some of these staples and go oh you know what i could do that but i could change it to this and it would work with that um or you know do you do you think like from the technical aspect of i know how to do this but now how do i make it look like this or do you think of the finished product and work backwards
0: so it kind of depends right now i'm in the process of writing a full new show full new 60 minutes from scratch god bless you so not <laughs> trying to use anything I've done before, um, which means having like a brand new opener, which for me is always like the hardest thing because I really want to convey who I am and kind of let people like drop their guards like right away.
1: Because yeah. um, a lot of writing a too, book, you got to you got to get them quick. You know what I mean? I'll yeah. And
0: like a lot of people like a magician comes out on stage and they're like, well, like, let's see. Let's see if this magic boy can fool me. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I don't want people like that. Like, I just want let's have fun. And like, yeah. I'll fool you, too. But like like just take a breath. So right now I'm trying to write a whole new show. So with that, without giving too much detail, I have like an overarching message, like an umbrella that I'm trying to fit everything under. So that automatically helps me eliminate things. It's it's kind of through elimination that I, okay, I don't want to do that then. But usually I'm working backwards. I'm saying, here's what I want the finished product to look like. How can I put it together to make that cohesive? And then how do you make those things flow and how do you have callbacks and how do you have stuff that, that doesn't feel like it's just like, here's some stuff. Here's a trick, put it away. Here's some different stuff. Here's a trick, put it away, like making it cohesive.
1: Yeah. And I think you're doing a great job at explaining this. I'm just doing a bad job at asking. I think the question, one of the questions I'm trying to get to is like, um, I guess within within one routine that you're doing how much innovation goes into a trick in terms of like oh i'm going to do something completely different nobody's ever seen before and how much of it is kind of going oh you know what i can take this thing but i can tweak it or introduce this other thing into it you know what i mean like how much yeah. is just straight up like this is a new trick nobody's ever seen before and i thought of it how to do it and how much of it is kind of frankensteining old things tweaking things and stuff like that
0: I think most of it is Frankensteining things, um, especially at this point. But it's also, I mean, in an, in Frankensteining a routine, trying to combine this old idea with this old one. So nobody's yeah. combined these two. Yeah. So how can I make it look good with both of those pieces together? Um, but I mean, now with magic, I mean, there is like a lot of magic you could do with tech. And I'm not a super techie person. I don't really, I'm not huge on like the tech side of
1: stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so, trying to take these old old ideas, meshing them together, Frankensteining that routine together, and then putting so you you have like the actual trick that you're doing, you figure that out, but then putting the story in the the personality behind it. And a lot of times for me, the the routine I'm working on is starting with this story. This is what I want. Now I have to figure out how to do it. Yeah. How can I make a giant pint of beer appear? And then yeah. be able to hand it out to somebody. How can I? Fi- how can I do that? Um,
1: oh yeah, the salted caramel latte for Todd that you pulled out of the bag upside down. I yeah. watched that like three times, and I was like, <laughs> "Damn, forget the fact that he <laughs> n- knew Todd was going to say caramel." <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah i I think
0: it's it's mostly Frankensteining old stuff together, though. But like. Well, I'll talk about like my straitjacket uh, escape that I do that this year is it's now 10 years that I started doing this
1: yeah. and I
0: don't do it all the time anymore. Um, part of part of me working on this new 60 minute show is not to completely get rid of the material I'm doing right now, but being able to phase some stuff out and just having fresh things. And it's a great challenge for me just to do it. And there is a lot of pieces, a lot of these routines that I came up with during COVID Mm. Um, and during COVID, I got to a point with a lot of new stuff that you know, I'm 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 super amped, I'm super creative and putting stuff together. But then I get to a point where I'm like, well, I can't do this for anybody right now. So yeah, I guess it's just just leave it there for now. Yeah. And hopefully we'll come back to it. So I'm finally at the point where I want to like come back to it, put these things together and have this like full hour yeah. of these new things. But like my straight jacket escape, again, I've been doing it for 10 years now. I did an event when I was a senior in high school for like a statewide group. And they had at the time, um, the, the evolution of dance guy, I think it's still like the number one YouTube video. I don't know if maybe not, but, um, yeah.
1: you know what I'm talking about? The evolution of dance dance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he, yeah. he was like, he's a motivational speaker. And then he was just using this as something to, to end his presentations with. Mm-hmm. So I, bought when i was 18 a straight jacket that i still have it's legit it's not it's not like a trick jacket this is like the real deal there's
1: no trick velcro or anything no
0: special stuff it's it's a legitimate medical jacket it's got the label on it that i always say it's got the label on it that says you don't really need to own this there's no reason um (laughs) but i bought a straight jacket knowing that i i wanted to obviously do some sort of escape with it but i told myself i wanted to do something completely different that nobody had done. Um, And I had that show coming up that I knew he was speaking at. So I was like, "Hmm, I wonder if I could do like a straight jacket, like dance. So I kind of strung together some songs and that's what I do now is it's, I'm put in the jacket, which there's tons of jokes while people are putting you in the jacket. And then um, the escape is all to music and it's different like dances and stuff. And then the jacket comes off. Hmm. So not even, I mean, it's an escape. It's not really a trick. Yeah. It's an escape. It's entertaining. But, and that's something that I look at now, like anything I'm putting in my show now, the first and foremost thing I'm looking at is, is it entertaining? It doesn't even have to be a trick. It doesn't have to be funny either. But I mean, most of my show is funny, but as a single piece, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. So is it entertaining? First and foremost. That's the first thing. And then you figure out from there, is there a message I'm trying to present? Like I do another trick with socks where I talk about uh, the vanishing sock in the laundry. Yeah. Because everybody's familiar with it. Yeah. So, and some of these things are are routines or an idea that somebody else has created. And over time, I've just made it my own and I've put my own spin on things. Or it's a really, really old idea with updated items or props.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's... I think you probably have more freedom in what you do because I'm trying to remember what they say within writing, um, you know, within writing fiction, there's only like seven or nine actual storylines and the rest is just however the author dresses it up. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's fun to think about the, the way that, uh, as creatives, different things that we do that don't seem like they have anything in common kind of still have that. Um, that common thread of nobody's really doing anything that's just totally, completely different. And if they are, it's probably weird and unwatchable or unreadable. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, it's really about the person driving all of it and creating the experience behind all of it.
0: And that's, I guess, something else too. Like, I want it to be entertaining, but I want like a very positive memory yeah. for people that are watching it. Yeah. I want them like looking back at it, being like, I have no clue how he did that. It was really entertaining. And I laughed.
1: How often are you watching something and you go, How did they do that? at this point are you pretty much can you watch something go oh i know how they did that or do you f- actually go up to people and go hey man how did you how did you do that one thing i think uh, i I can't like break it
0: down like percentage wise i think they're most of the stuff now like i see i do know and sometimes it's it's kind of like it's kind of like a blessing and a curse i guess like it's it's part of work like to know that but at the same time it'd Take be nice some of your to your personal just,
1: wonder away yeah
0: yeah, a little bit, but that's where I mean, seeing something that does, you're like, that's unbelievable. Or the skill, you may know how they're doing it, but you're like, the hours, yeah. the time that you put in to make that look so perfect.
1: And you can probably like, appreciate that better than absolutely that don't do what you do.
0: And same way too, if they're doing, they're doing a trick or a routine that isn't going to fool me. Like I know how it works. Yeah. But their personality and the way that they present it. Like I can appreciate that just as much, if not more. Yeah. Um. Because that, that, that just comes with, with doing it over and over and figuring it out. So I love most of my favorite performers, I would say are people whose personalities really shine through Yeah. and the magic is still good and it's strong, but it's not, it's not about the magic. You know, like the magic is just secondary to the showmanship and the performance of the person. Yeah. And what they're doing to make it unique and make it their own.
1: Yeah. I dig that. I like that. Yeah, man. I think I think we covered most of it. All right. Yeah. So um I'll go ahead and I'll say goodbye to you here and then I'll uh you know for the for the sake of the show, say goodbye and then uh we'll do a quick chat so trino the magician ladies and gentlemen thanks for coming man thanks for having me this was fun yeah we'll do it again sometime let's do it thank you so much to trino for coming on the show i love talking to that guy uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Please go support Trino. Follow him at Trino Magic. Go to TrinoMagic.com. Follow me, too. I'm at TalonWrites, ChristopherTalon.com, and I got that book Switchers that you should buy. Um, that's it, Ben. I don't know what that noise was. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Mwah!